0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to the season premiere of Inside Columbia Basketball on Mike Kowalski, joined as always by Kyle Matrician and Megan Rojas. Our first episode features uh, head coaches Jim Engels and Megan Griffith from their town hall that was held with season ticket holders on Tuesday, December 15th. Uh, So we want to give you guys a listen to what's been going on with the programs. But before we get into that, let's uh, let's bring in Kyle and Meg
1: welcome back guys Am, it's basketball. the
2: it's the icb fam we're back on our back on our original airways
0: yeah season three can
1: you believe Season it?
2: three who's season excited three. not how you know if you asked me last season how i thought season three was going to start not like this but happy to be back regardless yeah here back we are
1: better yeah, I'm excited for this season, guys, of inside Polly basketball to talk about our non-season, but we're going to cover some <laughs> fun things.
0: <laughs> we could talk about a whole host of things, when it comes to you know what other other kids are up to and all that stuff. It's going to be similar a little bit to the roarcast, which we are also bringing back for. Um, I guess we'll continue season two. Or are we going to call that season
2: uh, new, three? Season. new season? New season. Season
0: three. We're going to start. We're going to be running both podcasts. So you're going to hear a lot of us uh, in January and February. So sorry, if you don't want to, we're, going
1: to, we're here to stay. Like, If you don't want to,
2: you don't have to listen. I don't think we're uh, forcing anybody here.
1: But send it to someone who might want to. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal.
2: <laughs> Mike knew this year, and I'm going to throw it over to Megan Rojas. If you want a little extra insight with the women's basketball team, Megan is going to be doing some exclusive one-on-one interviews. I think they're going to be one-on-one. She can probably tell us more with members of the women's basketball team throughout the year on a new series that will be on YouTube called live with the lions. And for more on that, I'm going to throw it over to Megan.
1: Thanks Kyle. Yes. Our YouTube series will be called live with the lions. Our first episode is out and it was with Sienna Durr who talks about how she may or may not have told her mom that her and Michaela Markham went skydiving a couple weeks ago (laughs) it is funny it is funny how
2: many people do that like remember on the Roarcast episode we had
1: yeah I was shocked but anyway the episodes will all be on YouTube so follow our YouTube page or channel I think that's what the kids are calling it and subscribe (laughs) subscribe (laughs) yeah And next week's episode will be with head coach Megan Griffith, a special episode about what we've been up to as a program and things we're doing to keep in contact with our players and staff. So keep an eye out for our release of that episode on YouTube, our YouTube channel.
2: I think it's time to toss it over to Lance Meadow as we do every year, normally for the fireside chat, but this year for the, Town Hall with Head Coach Jim Angles and Head Coach Megan Griffith of the Columbia Basketball Teams. Right after the break.
3: At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active but also loves to enjoy great tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order.
2: Clean Eats Meal Prep are proud sponsors of the Columbia Lions. Clean Eats has a wide variety of meals, from the basics, low carb, gluten free, and even kids options. The process is simple, place your orders for the week, and Clean Eats delivers right to your doorstep. Nutrition, convenience, and results equal the Clean Eats experience. Visit www.cleaneatsmealprep.com to try us today.
0: We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions.
3: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's town hall. My name is Mike Miller. I'm the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing Strategies here at Columbia. It's been some time since we saw everybody last at Schiller Court and Levine Gymnasium, and we are glad you could all be here. We thank everyone who submitted questions for consideration tonight. We got a lot of questions, and we're going to try to address as many topics as possible. At this time, I'd like to welcome everybody on our panel, uh, head, coach, head Men's Basketball Coach Jim Engels and Women's Basketball Head Coach Megan Griffith. I'd also like to wel- welcome tonight's moderator, the voice of Columbia Bro- Basketball Broadcast and the host of New York Giants radio pregame and SiriusXM XM Sports Talk on Mad Dog Radio, Lance Meadow. Welcome, everybody.
4: Good to be here, Thanks, Mike. Mike. All
3: right, I'm gonna hop off and let you guys get to it and uh, can't wait to hear um, what's going on with Columbia basketball.
4: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mike, and I look forward to delving into a variety of topics with both head coaches. First of all, it's good to see the both of you through a computer screen. I wish, of course we were in person and talking to you about the X's and O's and getting ready for your respective seasons, but I hope that both of you, as well as yours, are safe and healthy. How's uh, everything doing on, on both of your ends?
5: We're good. Yeah, no. We, <laughs> we're just you know trucking along here. I think uh, great. My, everybody in my circle is, is healthy and safe right now, and I'm sure Jim would say the same.
6: Yeah, it's good to see everybody. Um, same thing, it's been uh, an interesting time, but it's, uh, it's good to be on and, and be talking to everybody.
4: Absolutely, well, let's start with the big topic of discussion, which is the fact that the winter season, it was recently announced that there won't be any college basketball. Jim, let's start with you. When you first learned of the news, what was your initial reaction?
6: Uh, it was really disappointing. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it was really, it's it's very hard to reflect on and put into words, you know, it's something that, unfortunately, once you started to get some news uh, about how the the virus was sort of taking over again, it, I think we all had some sort of idea that things probably weren't going to be positive, but um, it was tough, you know, it's tough as a coach, it's tough for your kids. And it's, uh, I know it's certainly tough for our fans. So it was, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been an, a very challenging, um, a very challenging time for all of us.
4: Megan, how about you?
5: I would echo a lot of the same sentiments of Jim. i you know, it's just been, you know, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of change and it feels like nothing is really changing at the same time. So there's, I think this dichotomy with how how should we feel? What should we plan for? How should we, you know, everything is sort of in limbo and um, it's been disappointing, like Jim said, it, it really was, but we understand that there's decisions that have to be made and, you know, our presidents made the decision for what they thought was the best of the league and, you know, we stand by um, and do our part as much as we can right now just to keep our, our players and, and our stabs motivated and keep everybody engaged.
4: I think the two of you were in a very interesting position because I'm sure you were monitoring what happened once the fall seasons were announced, that they weren't going to happen and what the football and all the other sports had to go through. So Megan, I want to start with you. When you learned that the fall season was going to be canceled, what did you perhaps put into motion about the potential that the winter season could be interrupted and trying to really maybe get ahead of the process here?
5: Yeah, there's, there's so many things, you know, that when that happened and, you know, you're gutted for those, for those coaches and, and those student athletes and, um, and, and then at the same time you realize that this is, this is getting closer to your reality or it could be. So I think you prepare for best case and worst case, and then kind of everything in between from what we've learned with the virus and how the pandemic has shaken out. So, you know, for us, it was, okay, uh, what do we do right now with the team in front of us? How do we get them um, as focused and locked in as possible? And what's most important, right? It's, it's kind of trying to figure out what's most important right now for this time for growth. So um, our teams have morphed quite a lot, you know, from last March to August <laughs> to now. And um, it's just kind of making sure that everybody's still thinking about growing and moving forward and controlling what they can control.
4: And Jim, what about you? What had those fall months been like as you would normally be going into the mode of preparing for the upcoming season?
6: Uh, I don't know I don't know if you can hear. I'm downstairs in my basement. My daughter just got accepted, early decision to Villanova. So there's like 15 girls running <laughs> up and down. Well, just, congratulations just to you the, and house, the family. So I apologize <laughs> if there's a lot of noise. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the hardest thing for this whole thing is for our guys. I mean, you know, basketball has started now. So it's uh, – they see their friends playing. Um, they know that guys are out there playing. And, um, you know, it's – you know, I totally support what the Ivy league has done. I believe it's the right thing. And, um, but it's very hard to, it's very hard as a, as a a college kid and 18 to 22 years old to understand that, you know, safety has been a safety is put out there and, and, uh, you know, it's hard for those guys to understand that, you know, it's be something that they'll reflect upon when they're older, but, you know, to lose a year and to see their guys playing. And, um, it's, I'm sure it's been very, I know it's been very challenging for me. I'm sure it's very challenging for Meg and, um, just to make sure that these guys understand, hey, you know, you'll get through this. You know, there is there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Unfortunately, you're just going to have to, you know, understand that there's some things that are bigger than this, big, bigger than you just playing right now. On a lighter
4: note, Jim, before we move on, you piqued my interest by bringing up Villanova because your team has collided with Villanova over the last few seasons. I just want to make sure that if you do go up against Jay Wright in the near future that your daughter's allegiance is with the <laughs> proper team. Can, can we at least clarify that here? <laughs>
6: Uh, I can't really do that I'm sorry um, she the reason why she, and this is the truth when when I was in NJIT we played Villanova a number of years ago and um, we were actually it was tight game coming down to the last like three or four minutes and um, my daughter said to my wife uh, I love the school spirit here I think it's awesome and I, I want to go to school here so this was probably like 10 years ago um, so comes full circle and I just texted Jay. I was like, Jay, she's going to be really good in the student section. So I was (laughs) really excited. Very nice. Well,
4: congrats to you and the family once again, as we are focusing on, of course, the immediate reaction to when the two of you learned that the winter season was going to be canceled. And Megan, I know you recently took part in a roundtable discussion with Doug Feinberg and a number of other Ivy League coaches. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about how you and your staffs handled the news what have the conversations been like between you and fellow women's basketball coaches? Because you're pretty much all going through this simultaneously. I mean,
5: I've, I've spoken to the coaches in the league more than I probably ever have. Uh, Same on the men's side. I know we've, we've spoken about a lot of um, unique issues ever since March happened. And um, you know, I think it's a time where we're all trying to learn from each other and and figure out what's best for everyone. And and how does Columbia move forward best? Uh, But, you know, I think the conversations, a lot of it, you know, early on was I was on a scheduling committee and we were trying to figure out what was the way, how could we have a season, right? So what's the, taking this conservative mindset and figuring out, okay, what's the best way that we can do this? So, you know, I was in a lot of conversations then, um, you know, from our call this past week, you know, just kind of hearing about what different campuses situations are, right? So, you know, Penn and Princeton, similar to us, had nobody on campus, uh and then you know harvard right had only their freshmen so it's just very different all over the league and i think everybody wants to work towards the same thing right so we're trying to learn from each other talk to each other share ideas uh but you know it's it's been hard for everybody and um you know um but i am proud that you know we're doing work that's really important um in other ways off the court so it's good to hear that and share that amongst other
4: coaches and Jim, what about you? You obviously have connections with various coaches across this league, specifically from all the years that you've spent, but what has the back and forth been like on your side of things?
6: Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff is, everybody's disappointed. You know, it's, it's just, there's really no other way to put it. I think we've all, you know, I've called some of the guys and, and talked to them about some of the things that they've been doing and they've obviously reached out to us and same thing. It's, I mean, this is such a new thing. We're all trying to take care of our programs and we're all trying to sort of represent the league in the right way. So, um, you know, I think that's the great thing about our conferences, you know, on both sides, on both the men's and women's sides, we have some great people who run these programs and um, you know, to, to be able to, um, to call some of these people friends is something that goes way beyond basketball. So, you know, I empathize, we all empathize with what's going on and it's been very hard for our kids and We're all going through this together. You know, I I really believe that. I think it's just not us as Columbia people. You know, as an Ivy League family, I think we're all going through this together. And there's a lot of people hurting out there.
4: There's no doubt about it. Columbia is not on an island. Everybody can relate to these circumstances. We're going to involve some fan questions that have been submitted as we move along here. And this relates to some of the challenges that every Ivy League coach is perhaps facing. We received a lot of questions on this topic and it pertains to the fifth year rule in the Ivy League. So has there been much discussion among the coaches to try to gain some flexibility, Jim, in that department in terms of not losing players and maybe having them stay on with that fifth year eligibility?
6: Uh, Yeah, I mean, honestly, personally, I wish, you know, I think that rule has affected us in a lot of ways. So it's, It's, uh, you know, I would love to see a change, but I also understand the purpose of it and the Ivy League is different. So um, I don't think I honestly, you know, from my in my humble opinion, I don't know if we'll ever see a change. So I think it's just something we have to accept and um, we have to support the guys as they leave. You know, they're getting an Ivy League degree and then they're going on and representing themselves, their families in the Ivy League as well in the schools. So, um, you know, I, I think I don't I just don't think it's something that we'll ever see move, move towards uh, getting kids into graduate programs in all schools.
4: Megan, from the conversations you had, what's your take on perhaps the fifth year eligibility rule?
5: Similar to Jim. I just, I I don't think it's going to change. You know, I think this is a decision that will have to come from the very top of all of our institutions. And, you know, starting with the presidents and the whole mission of what the Ivy league and the athletics within the Ivy league is about the undergraduate experience so that would have to change quite a lot of you know just kind of what our mission statement is i believe and so you know again i think that jim said it you know a lot of these young men and women that go to our schools they they're, they're going to get their degree here and they're going to go on and have opportunities elsewhere so it's it's more about them accepting that embracing it understanding why they chose this place in the, this place in the first place you know it wasn't just to be a basketball player so you know with that they get their their eligibility will stay intact nobody this year loses a year of eligibility. So that's a really great thing. And, you know, we have some great players that have proven on both sides to go to some really great institutions beyond this. So like Jim said, they'll have their degree, they'll get to go and represent us um, in great light. So,
4: Well, this relates to continuity, which is something that the two of you can relate to. I mean, that's how you build the program. You want to have some carryover continuation. And, you know, in addition to coordinating things with your players, I'm sure it's been a challenge in terms of coordinating things with your respective staffs, right? You're used to going into the office and being right next to one another. So, Megan, what has the communication been like between you and your assistant coaches over the last few months as you're navigating this coronavirus?
5: <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely different. You know, we're used to like I'm I can yell out of my office and our director <laughs> of operations, Megan Rojas. I'm like, hey, Meg, you know, and we can just have that exchange and. You know, I think that we're missing that human inter- interaction, but you just have to be more intentional and organized, uh, I believe, in your weeks and your days. You know, ever since March happened, we've been having, as a staff, a weekly Monday check-in, uh, Tuesday recruiting meeting, and then subsequent meetings, like, individually with me and individuals and the staff and amongst themselves. So, it's, we've been, we've been communicating quite a lot, um, you know, and, you know, I did get some FaceTime time with the staff, you know, I have been able to have that, but, I just think you just have to be creative. You have to be flexible and understand that, you know, like one of my assistants has two young boys at home, you know, and like they're in daycare, but on the days that they can't be in daycare, he's at home and the boys are home. And so you just have to kind of roll with the punches right now and, um, and just communicate. You know, I think that's been the best biggest part of this is just the emphasis on
6: communication within within our staff.
4: Jim, how about you? What has your experience been like in terms of keeping on top of your staff and communicating on that front?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's it's very, it's, this has been a really tough year from a staff perspective. I just had, uh, you know, Marlon Sears left to be the head coach at Amherst. And I had Jared Check leave to go to Air Force with Joe Scott. So I hired, um, thankfully, Columbia um, was able to sign off on accepting two new hires. So I was able to hire two new guys. And um, it was ironic, we went, the only time we've been together as a full staff we went in and we went on, just the only time I've been on Levian's floor, on Schiller's, on Jonathan Schiller's floor, obviously. I'm sorry, Jonathan, don't get <laughs> mad at me. Um, we were on Jonathan's floor and then we would talk, We actually got together as a full staff. and This was probably like three or four days before they were technically supposed to open up the gym and, and we were have, supposed to have everybody work out. So we got together to discuss some things we were going to go over with our team and um, so we've only been together as a staff for an hour over the last nine months. So it's, um, and then they shut it down. So it's, it's uh, we've been doing meeting, we, ha- we get together every day in some respect, um, at normally in the morning as a staff, you know, that could last from like, that could last five minutes or an hour and a half, um, depending on what we're talking about. And uh, so we've been doing everything virtually. Um, I get a kick out of uh, Toby Carberry, who's our new assistant from Yale has a very young family, and I'm sure Megan's gone through the same thing. Like when you're on these Zoom calls and you see these kids just hanging on him. And I'm like, Toby, you know, when we actually go back in the office, these kids are gonna go through some serious withdrawal. And he's like, yeah, and he goes, they'll get over it. So that's, that tell you, that shows you a little bit of toughness of all. I love it, so. Absolutely, yes. The additional challenges of balancing
4: family life, as well as basketball, everybody is certainly experiencing that firsthand. On a related note to the logistics and things that you've had to navigate, when the fall announcement was made, a number of student-athletes unenrolled in school. And I'm curious, when the winter announcement came out, Megan, I want to start with you. How did that perhaps impact how you were thinking about, hey, are student-athletes going to leave school? What does that mean about eligibility and so forth? How much did that perhaps impact your team?
5: So the fall decision was much more impactful than the winter decision. So we had five players decide to take leave of absence uh, as of like July, August, and um, so they will be returning and they'll have all of their their years here with us left. And you know for everybody else that enrolled, they all kind of kept along the same path um, when this when this winter announcement just came about in November. So you know, those were a lot of hard conversations. Those are, that's when, you know, the work you did in recruiting and that the great work my staff did to build relationships with these families is where you can sit down, look eye to eye and say, hey, what's best for your child, you know, and I support that. And that was really, honestly, um, those were tough, but they were, they were necessary. And I'm in full support of all the decisions that they've made uh, for their families. So, you know, we're, we're in a little bit um, of a different state, I think, than Jim might be. But, you know, across the league, it's very different as well. So, you know, we have teams that took you know, players like us, five, seven, eight, eight players from their programs. And then we have, you know, certain places where nobody did. So it's, you know, we're all juggling it <laughs> and trying to manage it, but uh, excited to move forward with the, the returning
4: group here. Jim, what's your experience been like in terms of any student athletes uh, leaving school or taking a leave of absence?
6: Uh, we left that option open for the guys. Um, we were cautiously optimistic that we actually would play in some sense. So, um, we talked about it nobody decided to take a, a year off so we had of we had of our 17 guys 13 of our guys were on campus or around campus for the fall so you know we were really holding out hope that we could at least uh, you know that something would happen in a positive way so um, you know in hindsight it probably would have maybe probably would have been better for some of the guys to take the year off but again I think the same way with Megan what Megan says you know it's this is a family decision and This is a personal decision for them, and, um, you know, we're certainly uh, supporting them in every way possible.
4: Well, Jim, with the team, for the most part, as you just hit on staying together, there is the conditioning aspect, even though you're not playing games, to at least the guys to stay in shape, both mentally and physically. In terms of the academic structure right now, because not everybody's on campus and there's virtual learning, what has it been like in terms of getting these guys to work out in some capacity? given the fact that there's no season.
6: Yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, we're, we're bound by whatever we're bound by NCA rules and Ivy league rules. So, you know, we've been able to follow the protocols that were given to us by the different organizations. You know, obviously with the gym, not being open, the basketball part of things has been, been, you know, I hate to say random, but it has been random. Um, We've had guys, most of our guys were working out. They were going to Riverside park and, uh, I, I don't know the courts, but they had like two or three courts that were, they were using that they were going to. Thankfully, the, sp- the uh, fall was actually pretty warm, uh, so most of the guys were able to get out there. Um, you know, we bought them some outdoor basketballs, and they were able to go out and play. Um, from a conditioning standpoint, Tommy Sheen, we're allowed to do uh, – Tommy sends these guys something every day that they are required to um, follow and adhere to. Uh, so we have them, Tommy's really in charge of that aspect of stuff. And we just, you know, as much as we're allowed to monitor it, we monitor it. And then the academic stuff has been really done, um, through, uh, obviously through Jessica DiPaolo and her department, but also through our staff, you know, we have different protocols that we follow from an academic perspective to just to make sure that these guys are doing the work and staying on board with what we're, what they're doing. So, um, It's been a challenge, you know, Uh, you know, and especially with the virus, you know, trying to find a place we had a, we've had guys traveling around a little bit of the city, there's really hasn't been a lot of places open up indoors. Um, There's been one place in Brooklyn, but so some of the guys have been going there, but it's not, uh, it's, it's, you know, I I hesitate, Um, you know, I get worried that these guys are going to be on the train or, on a bus and they're gonna come back with the virus. So we've been very lucky along those lines, but we've been trying to manage it. So these guys have done a very good job and I appreciate, I know they're frustrated and I know they're disappointed and um, you know I, they really have done an extraordinary job to keep themselves engaged uh, basketball wise and conditioning wise. Well, as a
4: Brooklyn native, I fully support them using that borough in some capacity. I'm with you, I want it to be done in a safe manner, but I'm all for them branching out side of Manhattan and and maybe uh, exploring Brooklyn you'd be very surprised in terms of what that borough has to offer if they uh, take the opportunity to do that Megan on a a more serious note what was your experience like thus far in terms of having your players work out and, and also trying to balance them staying focused on academics while dealing with what everybody else in this world is dealing with right now
5: Yeah, it's it's been hodgepodge, and um, you know, just kind of it's everybody's situation is not just changed one time. And it was like, oh, this is what's set for the fall, right? Uh, It's been there's been various different um, factors that have contributed to that. So, you know, very opposite of Jim's situation, we didn't have anybody in the Greater New York area. So we had our players were scattered everywhere across the country, across the world. You know, we, we have players that are in Europe as well. So it was, you know, it was a matter of just trying to make sure that, um, one, trying a lot of new things, a lot organizationally, what works best. Can we get a time where we can get our West Coasters and some, our player in Spain on the same call, like once a week? Like, how does this work? So there's just a lot of just, you know, checks and balances, trial and error, trying to figure out what worked best. Um, and I give immense credit to our staff and players for being flexible and, and just trying to figure it out with us. Uh, As Jim said that, you know, I'm really amazed at the resiliency of our young athletes, you know, because they're, they like, it's tough, like they've received a lot of bad news. And I think that they've, they've done a great job managing it and handling it, um, tempering their expectations, but also staying engaged and focused. So, you know, for us, in terms of um, you know the basketball workouts, we got really creative and and you know I mean I was filming myself doing workouts and sending it to our team you know like even something as simple as that especially early in quarantine where you couldn't leave your house couldn't have access to a hoop um, everybody has a different setup so you just have to like temper with the workout tailor the workout and this is the variation that you do this is the variation that Michaela does this is what Caitlin does. Um, you know, we would, we would engage in like, you know, some chalk talks every once in a while, especially recently. Um, that's been like a big hit with our team, which is fun to see. Cause you know, they really, they enjoy talking hoops and they watch a lot of basketball, which, you know, four years ago when I got here, that wasn't the case. So it's, you know, I think that's been a lot of fun to see that transformation happen. Um, and then as well, you know, in terms of the conditioning and strength workouts, you know, coach Matt Herhall is our strength coach. Um, He's done a great job at just making sure that they're prepared, staying engaged. Him and I connect every week just to say, hey, what's the update? Um, What information did you get? Did anybody report back? Same thing goes with our our athletic trainer, Um, just making sure the players are healthy. They're able to get to PT still or, you know, if there's anything that they need to get assessed. And then, you know, academically, similar to Jim, we have our protocols within the program and my staff has done a great job at keeping up, making sure that our players are engaged and. You know, performing well and still showing up, making sure that we're representing you know Columbia Women's Basketball and
6: Athletics Department as best as we can. Megan, uh, Maggie, I'm you interesting. Me- yeah, go so, ahead. Jim. Yeah, Megan, you yeah. make me feel bad. I- I got a hoop in my backyard. I'm going to have to go outside. and. and, uh, Jim, uh, let's go, man. I'm going to break out my high school shorts and I'm going to start showing some moves. So you guys better watch Twitter. It's going to be fun.
5: I'm ready. I'm
4: ready. Stay tuned. Jim Engels will go viral on social media (laughs) any day now. We're we're just waiting. It's funny the both of you brought that up because clearly the both of you played, the both of you are still students of the game. You've been around the game a long time. And Megan, you referred to these chalk talk sessions. I'm curious, trying to maybe make the best of a very unusual circumstance, how much has this given you an opportunity, especially your staff members to take a step back, reevaluate what you've done as a coach, think about scheme, really peel back the layers of what coaching is all about for yourself.
5: Yeah. It's, I mean, that's the great, a great point. And you know, it's almost like we're taking a sabbatical, the sabbatical we never asked for. <laughs> so oh, it's okay. uh, you just, you know, you find yourself engaging in different ways with the game. Um, I would say that personally, I've been more present in like everything I'm doing. So I'm just like not as in the weeds with my team. You know, I'm not like analyzing practice film every day and thinking about, the you know, how to get Abby Hsu the ball in this spot or, you know, anything like that. Like it's more been about, okay, like you said, Nance, take a step back. It's not so much about us right now in this moment, but how we can grow, how we can get better doing a lot of studying of other programs and what they do what works um so it's been it's been actually honestly I've I've enjoyed it you know once I got over like the college basketball was on tv uh I've enjoyed watching basketball again and, and not having the oh I'm scouting right I feel like when I'm in scouting and Jim can probably say this you're just watching your team and like the team you're playing all the time you might catch a couple games but you know just getting to learn
4: from some of these other programs I don't get to trad- traditionally follow Jim, how about you? Clearly disappointing that you're not being able to coach, but has it been rather refreshing that maybe you've been able to see the game through a different lens?
6: Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, I'm personally boycotting college basketball, so I haven't watched one (laughs) possession. (laughs) Understandable. I I, I have not watched one possession of college basketball this year, so, um, you know, and I'm being serious. Like, our guys are really disappointed, and it's very hard for me to watch my friends and and uh, you know and understand how hard my team has been and maybe that's petty but um, you know I've been really I've been really watching a lot of European basketball doing a lot of clinics um, I've spoken to uh, a lot of people um, that you don't normally have access to at this time of year um, so it's been really good uh, for you know from a from a development standpoint for I think from a staff development standpoint you know we've been doing a lot of recruiting and Um, trying to stay in contact that way but um, so like Meg said it's you know it's you know you try to make the best of it with the situation that you've been presented and um, we have I, I feel like we've been doing a very good job as a staff and I know our guys have been doing a good job and you know because no one's really gone through this before it's very interesting to find out you know what's going on. I've been following the Giants too, Lance. I haven't seen your show though, man. I got to get serious XM. There you go. Yeah, you got to branch out a little bit, especially if you're not watching college basketball. Come on <laughs> over. There's always plenty of room. I'm gonna of breaking, room in terms of the ta- listenership. I'm I'm gonna start breaking down uh, like defensive schemes in the in the in the backfield with safeties and and cornerbacks. Uh,
4: There's always a seat on the
6: pregame show, Jim. So if you want to, you know, take some time
4: (laughs) away from basketball, I'd welcome the analysis on the football front. No problem. Megan, if you want to take part two, there's room for that too. We always like to branch out. (laughs) (laughs) We said that we were working in a lot of fan and season ticket holder questions. So I want to get to another one. And we also received a lot of questions on this front about what has the impact of the season had throughout the Ivy league on transfers and student athletes who have entered the NCAA transfer portal. Megan, let's start with you on that front.
5: So we, uh, we have four seniors right now, uh, three of which are exploring their transfer portal options. So, which is, you know, and that's everybody's individual choice. I think that um, across the league, you're going to see a lot of talented seniors, you know, kind of roll the dice and see what's out there for them. Uh, I've heard that from other coaches as well. Uh, There's some really talented players in our league much like on the men's side and they're going to have great opportunities in front of them. You know, I think, you know, in terms of us and and transfers into Columbia, that's something we won't know quite as much about until after the season. You know, that's typically when that heats up a little bit. So, you know, but for us, uh, you know, I don't know, but they're not sure. They're not even sure if they want to play. I think like one of them has locked in on a decision, but it's more about just knowing like there's like an option out there and I can get my master somewhere um, and so we're, we're willing to help them in any way that we can so that they can get this year of eligibility um, in another institution. But, you know, I think that it will, unfortunately, like, you know, they don't get to play their last year here, which that's going to be hard for every senior right out there. But um, in bright light, you know, they are going to have great opportunities and graduate with their Ivy League degree.
4: And Jim, how about your experience or what you've been hearing in terms of the challenges that the Ivy League has faced with respect to transfers?
6: uh it's going to be a it, it's going to be a huge amount of uh people in the portal because of the rules that are going on right now and um you know we've talked to our guys uh we've rec- you know we've told all our guys to put their names into the portal right now just to make sure that they get their names out there I know that uh I believe all of them have been contacted by at least a couple of schools so we're trying to sort of direct them in certain ways um so it's going to be it's going to take a couple of years here for on um, with with I think college basketball in general because uh, from the way I understand it the the teams that are on scholarship right now will have the opportunity to ask their returning seniors to come back so mm-hmm. that means that rosters are going to be over the limits um, so that's going to take a year for it to shake out and then it'll probably take from you know in talking to people it'll take a couple of years for this to get back to what we would consider normal with roster sizes and stuff. So uh, it's going to be hard for these kids, um, anybody who's looking to transfer right now, because it's going to be very select and um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a ton of options. So, you know, we're, we're investigating all different, all different schools, all different options. We're, we're investigating some things for some of our guys in Europe and um, you know, we just got to stay patient because this is sort of a dead time right now. It's, you know, it's mid December guys are st- basically just starting their seasons, you know, with COVID right now, a lot of people are just, you know, there's so, many pr- there's so much pressure on these staffs and, and, and kids to, you know, with the seasons that are going on right now. So it's going to take a little time for this stuff to shake out.
4: On a related note, and speaking of roster management, I want to move to recruiting because I think that ties into what you were talking about. You can't have access to go to high schools and go on the road like you normally would do in previous seasons. So, Jim, I want to start with you what has it been like from a recruiting standpoint, not just for the incoming 2021 class, but as you're looking at potential players, even years beyond that?
6: Yeah. I mean, the whole thing's new. So the dead period is extended through April 15th. So, um, you know, I just had a parent just text me before he's going to be in the city. He wants to come by. And I told him that you're allowed to walk campus, but we're not allowed to see you. So there is no access uh, from a personal standpoint with anybody in recruiting. So everything has been do, has been done virtually. Um, we're watching a lot of film, um, you know, and unfortunately some of these kids right now are at a disadvantage, these high school kids, because it's all state by state. So a lot of states aren't playing. No, it's state like Texas is playing or state like North Carolina is playing. Um, so it's, it's so random. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of kids, uh, unfortunately, they're going to be left out there, you know, for nothing other than the fact that their state didn't play or, they didn't have an AAU season. So we're just trying to be smart about it. We're trying to do as much research as possible. And, you know, and the video aspect of stuff is something that you know, we all take pretty seriously as a staff. So we, watch, we try to watch as much video as possible.
4: And how about you, Megan, in terms of your experience as well as your staff on the recruiting front?
5: Well, I think we're all seeing across the board, I, I'm sure this is on the men's side as well, you're just seeing a lot of commitments early. Right from student athletes, I think people are nervous about losing scholarship opportunities, to Jim's point about, are these players coming back and is my school honoring my scholarship? Like none of that has been decided right now. So I think that you, know, you have the one side of it where people are trying to make decisions early, which that's, that's very unfamiliar territory for all of us, right? Um, and then at the same time, you have people that will make decisions late or they're not really sure they wanna get on campus or try to wait this out to see what April holds and maybe the summer. So, you know, for us, it's just, it's continuing to do what we do, uh, you know, with recruiting in terms of build the relationship, um, talk to their circle of influence, um, and just, you know, realize that this is, although it's been very different for all of us, this is very new for all of them too, in terms of this is their first rodeo with recruiting, right? So the 2022 class, that'll be the 26th class in college, they've never even had a September one where they didn't realize like the coaches wouldn't be sitting in their living room the next week. So it's just, you know, you're trying to adapt and realize like, hey, we got to make this the best experience for them and bring Columbia to them in any creative way we can, right? So just it's, I think it's really uh, encouraged us and made us become as creative and imaginative as we can with uh, how we recruit right now. But like Jim said, I've watched more game film than ever before because usually you want to get eyes on somebody in person and you have the summer evaluation periods in the spring, which we had neither nor the fall. So uh, it's just trying to get game film as recent as possible and stay on top of that.
4: Earlier, Jim had touched on the changes to his coaching staff. Megan, I know you also had some changes to your coaching staff. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about that and really how that's tied into also getting through recruiting because your responsibilities vary amongst members on your staff.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we only have one change, actually. So uh, Angela Barrett, who was our assistant, one of our assistant coaches, she's now coaching at Coffin State. Um, we hired a new assistant in September named Fallon Baker and young, super energetic, great passion for the Ivy League and what we're doing here, um, you know, you know, has a great mind for the game. She it's just been catching her up to speed, you know. So like the main rec- our recruiting coordinator stayed, and then um, that's Tyler Cordell. So she's been keeping up with our sort of game plan, and um, she came with me to Columbia, so she uh, sees a lot of things in the same level as me. And then Greg Rosnick's been our international recruiting coordinator, and has done a great job with our twenty one class. Uh, so you know we we're all. We're all kind of just like in the fire, and it's been helpful actually to have a new vision uh, viewpoint come into the mix and just say, hey, what about this? Or uh, Because we're so, like I said, we're so stuck in kind of what we've been doing the past few years together.
4: Well, I think that relates to what we talked about earlier, Megan, with respect to taking a step back from the game. When you bring in a new staff member, they're going to have a completely different perspective than you and the other staff members that had been working with the team over the last few years.
5: For sure. For sure. It's healthy. We all need it. We all need that. uh, Why do you do this? You know, And, and so it's helped us, you know, rethink, reshape and just get better overall.
4: And Jim, in terms of your experience with respect to reviewing film and looking through potential transfers or potential recruits, you know, has it given you a different eye to the game with respect to how maybe you previously would look at recruits or the feedback you'd get from assistants?
6: Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, definitely. I think you're always trying to change and you're always looking for ideas about how things can change. Um, Myself, uh, my staff, and uh, my staff and I actually, uh, I just just sent it to my program, a book. I want my team to read a book that um, a friend of mine enlightened me with, which I think really relates a lot to recruiting. And um, so there's a lot of things that you're always constantly challenging and questioning and um, you know, I, I, my, with my new stat, like I got Tom Prada, who's a former head coach at Canisius. And, um, so he's been a division one head coach. And then I got Toby who understands the, Toby Carberry, who understands the Ivy league and was at Yale was a very good player. Actually, ironic, Jesse Eagle, um, recruited Toby when he was <laughs> the head assistant at Vermont. So, um, we were watching on one of our recent zoom calls. Toby was in the dunk contest at the final four. I was shocked at number one how thin he was and number two how high he he got like he was legit like dick vitale was going nuts so you know we've been really um uh, you know we've been we've been definitely and with having them uh, and then i have justin who's been with me for this is his second year and with jesse obviously he's been with me for a while but um you know it's good to have a couple of new guys on staff who have some different perspective on stuff and bring some different things and Um, so it's, yeah, we're definitely learning a lot. I think we're all challenging each other. We've talked a lot about, um, we've used this a lot with our team, you know, challenge network and support network, you know, like, you know, I think, uh, it's it's very natural for kids to have kids in our staff to have the support network of people who are always, you know, out there, out there telling them the things that they, they want to hear. Like, well, we've been really trying to challenge each other as a staff, um, and really, you know, sort of questioning some of the things that we could do better. So it's been very positive along those lines. Well, it took us about 40 minutes into the program, but I'm relieved
4: to finally hear Jesse Ago's name being mentioned, Jim. And I'm sure that he is going to be pleased if he's watching or at least has an opportunity to tune in. So, Jesse, you ask him. He's going to be very proud of himself that his name came up in this conversation. (laughs) I I can only imagine you're dating him a little bit, Jim, though, in terms of you talk about the connections of assistants now that Uh, he may have crossed paths with on the recruiting trail. I don't know how much he's going to love that.
6: Yeah. Well, that's the problem with my, we are pretty old. My staff is very old. so (laughs) Megan's staff can run circles around our staff. Uh,
4: Absolutely. Well, I want to expand before we wrap up here about, topics unrelated to the X's and O's because this has also given everybody outside of basketball an opportunity to weigh in on far more important issues specifically tied into the Ivy League and the Ivy Promise represents the Ivy League basketball coaches' commitment to the Black Lives Matter movement. While individually our platforms are influential, combined our platforms can be a catalyst for change. We are committed to achieving reform that was issued by the Ivy League and Megan, I want to start with you about what it means to be a part of a league that supports these
6: causes.
5: Absolutely. It's been, you know, it's been a pleasure, honestly, to see our programs come together um, on the men's and women's side. And, uh, you know, Jim and I have have had a lot of conversations, but, you know, to see that it came from within the coaches and to to know that this is something that we really wanted to push and make sure that um, we were strong advocates for and developing the game plan for change you know I think there's like a promise statement that we all came up with and uh you know but I think the the bigger topic at hand was that we let's do things like what are we doing right because a lot of people were saying a lot of things and we wanted action to be really attached to that plan so it's been it's been wonderful to see honestly what our student athletes have been doing and the stabs you know I know I've created a lot more um, connections. So I've been in more in tune with other people are doing in their programs, but to see what uh, Jim's players are doing, my players are doing, hearing about the other ones in the league and, and, you know, having them have conversations across um, programs has been really powerful because this is not a one-off, okay, we checked the box to do this in January. We did this in February, whatever it was. Like they're doing things that require real sustainable um, actions you know, and, and things that can be repeated as well. So I'm, I'm immensely proud of the league for this and, and for the, it to start within the coaches and the people and not just like something that, hey, this is we should do from the outside. This was something that completely came from the in, internally.
4: Well, and on a related note, Jim, it was announced yesterday that you're one of 40 coaches that's involved in the e-racism campaign. And that was spearheaded by college insiders. So how did you get in line with that? How did you take part in this uh, social movement cause?
6: Yeah. Before I just get into that, you know, I want to just echo what Megan was saying. You know, I, you know, the Ivy League is is uh, the Ivy League is special for a reason, and um, we may not have taken, you know, in regards to basketball and athletics. Unfortunately, some of the decisions may not have been popular with everybody, but you know, they are they they have uh, they're leaders in what they do. So, um, you know, the fact that we aren't playing, and you know, they took a, you know, I think we were one of the only probably one of the only leagues, the first leagues to really jump on board with, with with social justice as, as a league. And um, so it's very humbling to be involved with, with leadership like that. You know, when you have people who genuinely care about what's going on, not only on the court, but off the court, they care about kids' safety. They care about how the kids, you know, the kids' environments that they're, that they're, that they're experiencing and they care about leadership. So, you know, I'm really proud to be, Uh, part of that as, as one of the coaches, you know, in the men's and women's side also with um, college insider is, uh, is really the the voice of mid-major basketball. Um, You know, obviously Columbia won the college insider tournament a few years back. And um, so we've had a big connection with them. Uh, They uh, got together and they wanted to, they wanted to um, sort of give, give the, the coaches another sense of a voice. I know the NABC has done a very good job up to this point, really jumping on board with with uh, the issues that are at hand that we have to come to grips with and uh, college insiders also wanted to jump on board with that i think it's a great uh, it's a great platform for myself and for other coaches and um, we actually have a meeting our first meeting is tomorrow so i'm excited to get to get on board uh, you know some of the guys that are on that are actually involved with this it's going to be it's going to be really good to, to talk to these guys about things that we can do for our teams I think it's also important to note that some of the student
4: athletes on your teams have also taken part of an organization, the Black Student Athlete Alliance, BSAA, and that was formed to provide an exclusive community for black student athletes to come together in a safe space and have meaningful dialogue to aid in an optimal experience as members of Columbia University. So both teams, from what I understand, have representatives taking part in this alliance. And Megan, how important is that to see that interaction between your players as well as this organization.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of their leadership, you know, both of them to, to know that it's across both of our programs and that they took the initiative, right? This is something that came again from within, from the student athletes. Um, this is not something that said, Hey, dude, let's do this. This, this came from them. They came up with the idea and for two of them to have a leadership role within the BSAA and then also multiple student-athletes on my program are involved with it, um, you know, it's, it's really great to see that they're going to back up what they're saying and, and, you know, stick with this and make sure this is, again, repeatable in that the actions they take are really having, um, you know, a, a plan attached to them. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what work they're going to be doing. Um, immense credit to um, Ari and Marquise, the two people that are leading it from the department, and you know, I'm again. It's just it's great to see that them stepping up and, and really exercising uh, their voices and their action.
4: And Jim, what have you observed in terms of your players' involvement on that alliance?
6: Yeah, um, Ty Bibbs, who a senior, and Ike Nweke, a junior, have both um, jumped on board with with that committee. And um, again, same you know, same thing that Megan's saying. It's it's really it's really uh, we're really all very proud as a, as a program to see those guys take some leadership with such a pressing and such an important issue. And, um, you know, they have, you know, and especially with, with, you know, with some of the stuff that's gone on, just, you know, the fact that, you know, they're, they're regular students. So there's a lot of responsibility that they have to sort of take when they, when they have um, when they step into a leadership position with so much, with so much at stake. So, you know, I think they're doing a, a wonderful job and it's, it's great to see Columbia again, you know, Ivy League type thing, be at the forefront and, and to really really put themselves out there um, and, and to try to make things better.
4: Well, this has been a very enjoyable conversation. I thank the two of you for taking the time to catch us up on what it's been like over the last few months. Uh, we all wish, of course, we were at basketball games viewing it. Hopefully this wait will just make it much more enjoyable when both teams return to the court. But uh, Megan, Jim, thanks again for all your time. Best of luck moving forward with your respective teams. And uh, I personally hope that I'll be able to interact with you in person sooner rather than later. So thank you very much for taking the time to do this. Bring what Megan and Jim had to say, a happy and a healthy holiday season and new year to all of you tuning in. Greatly appreciate you taking the time. Good night, everybody. Have a good one.
6: Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right. So that'll do it for episode one of inside Columbia basketball. Once again, we'll be back on thursdays starting in january so stick make sure you you catch up on the previous seasons of this podcast the roarcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher wherever you get your podcasts just try to look for columbia athletics subscribe leave us some comments some feedback this is your podcast so you know whatever you want you're gonna get maybe (laughs) so stop listening to taylor swift album for five minutes and Catch up on all episodes of Columbia Athletics podcasts, and we'll talk to you in 2021.